The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Jesus said to them in reply, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all other Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. For those 18 people who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, Do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And he told them this parable. There once was a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard. And when he came in search of fruit on it but found none, he said to the gardener, For three years now I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but have found none. So cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? He said to him in reply, Sir, leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. The readings that we hear today are both encouraging as well as challenging. In the book of Exodus, we begin and we go back to Moses as we often do. And we hear of the story of the burning bush, should be familiar to us, I think, and how the Lord God speaks to Moses about his people. We're encouraged as we hear the Lord God say from the burning bush, I have witnessed the affliction of my people and I have heard their cry of complaint. So I know well what they are suffering. Therefore, I have come to rescue them. These are words of consolation for us because it's a reminder to us that the Lord does not forget us. He is not deaf to our cries. That he sees us. He knows what's going on. And indeed, he comes to respond to us. Especially in difficult times, we know that the Lord comes to us to be with us. He who is God with us, Emmanuel. So we're encouraged at these first words, that the Lord comes to rescue us. But just as we recognize that the Lord has come to rescue us, in the words of St. Paul, we recognize that not all are rescued. St. Paul, writing about those same ancestors, the ones led out into the desert with Moses, said, All ate the same spiritual food, namely the manna and the quail in the desert. All drank from the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Remember that Moses struck the rock and water poured forth. They drank forth from the gift of Christ. And then he continues, yet God was not pleased with most of them. And this is the part where we ought to kind of stop and really pay attention Because everybody followed Moses out into the desert. Everybody, you know, that's what St. Paul is saying. Everybody went out. Everybody drank the, the same drink. Everybody had the same food. Exteriorly, everyone was on the same plane. And yet, many of them 
were not pleasing to the Lord. The gospel is the piece that kind of helps us bring those two readings together. It begins today with Jesus speaking to these group of people as response to what they themselves have brought. Asking basically like, have you heard what happened, Jesus? That there were these Galileans who their, their blood was mixed in with their sacrifices. What did they do to deserve such a terrible thing to happen to them? If you remember that for the Jewish people, blood is of the greatest of significance. Blood was life. Blood was the person. If your blood was poured out, then everything changed. I mean, if you, if you, if you, if you bled, uh, you weren't able to go into the temple because you were ritually impure. You had, to be, you had to be washed beforehand. And there was no touching of another person's blood. You didn't touch another person's wound because it was, it was touching what was effectively death because the blood was poured out. Life was poured out. Death was there. And so basically to say that their, that their blood was mingled with other sacrifices, animal sacrifices, was to say that their, that their blood, their life, was defiled. That it was basically made like that of the beasts. That they became no better than animals. And that was the manner of their death. And their immediate response is, of course, how bad were they that that happened to them? And Jesus very clearly and very simply says, do you think they were worse than any of the other Galileans? Do you think their sin was worse? By no means. But unless you repent, you will be like them. Whoa now, Jesus, I was just telling you the news. <laughs> I was just telling you that some Galileans had their blood mixed with other people. Did you hear that? And here you are saying, if I don't repent, I'm going to be like them. Imagine the shock on the people. And Jesus goes, yeah, 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 just with the Galileans. Yeah, y'all all know the story of Siloam too. That happened in Jerusalem recently. The tower fell, killed 18 people. But do you think those people were worse sinners? That they deserved it more than anybody else in Jerusalem? No. But again, unless you repent, you will do the same. Unless you repent. It's this call that God gives to us not to be worried about what other people are doing, but to look here. Because it's easy for us, again, to be able to look around us and to look at something bad that's happened to somebody else and go, man, they must have been in real bad shape. They must have been a pretty terrible sinner because, you know, look what happened to them. But look at me. Yeah, I mean, here I am. Things are good, you know, still alive and kicking. I must be in good shape. The Lord must like me, huh? And how easy it is to allow that to become the simple state of things. But Jesus very simply says, just because something bad happened doesn't mean they were terrible people. And just because something bad doesn't happen doesn't mean you're good. And this is the part where we really need to touch in our hearts. To look to repent. This is the call of the season of Lent. To repent. To turn back to the Lord. To turn away from our sins. To turn and to give everything to Christ. Having immediately kind of put the people on the, <laughs> on, the back of their, on the back of their feet, kind of leaning back in shock, Jesus continues, and it's not just enough for him to say, you know, unless you repent, you know, you'll become like them. So repent. He doesn't just stop there. He gives a parable, as he often does, to be able to 
explain a little bit more, to make sense a little bit more. And he tells them about a landowner and a gardener. The landowner, as he speaks, is God the Father. He owns the land. He's the one who's, who's you know, the, the, right, the rightful owner. He, you know, everything is his. Everything is God's. And the fact is that the tree is us. And that also should be the scary part when we hear about what happens with the tree. God the Father is the one who comes and he looks in the garden and he sees all his, his, his orchard. His, you know, it's this great orchard, lots of trees producing great fruits. And then there's this, there's this tree over here that just, for three years now, I've come here looking for, for fruit from this tree and, and there's nothing. It's got green leaves. It looks nice. Nothing bad has happened to it. It didn't get struck by lightning or anything. But it's not producing any fruits. It's exhausting the soil. It's a waste. It's consuming the nutrients for its green leaves rather than fruits that all the other plants would produce something with. Or maybe if we can cut it down, put something in its place, that thing will produce something good. It will produce something fruitful for us. So he turns to the gardener and he says, Three years have come, no fruit has it worn, cut it down. The gardener, who comes as Christ, says simply, Give me a year. Give me some time. Let me work with it. Let me give it some fertilizer. Let me make sure it gets everything that it needs. Let me pour extra, extra effort into this tree. Maybe it'll produce fruit. And if not, cut it down. And again, the tree is us. The Lord desires to have fruit. The Lord, the God, the Father, he has created us. He's given us everything we need, everything and more. He has come to us to give us grace, life. And he wants to make sure that we produce fruits. That the, the, that the nourishment we receive from Christ the rock is not in vain. He wants to see fruits from us. And if we don't produce fruits, he'll cut us down. It doesn't mean that he'll just wipe us off the map. It doesn't mean that he'll drop a tower on top of us. It doesn't mean that he'll mingle our blood with some other sacrifice. It doesn't mean that something bad will happen to us. It just simply means he'll find someone else to do his work. And he'll let us be. And this is what we see in the world today. We see it lived out. Europe used to be Christian. You know where the bastions of Christianity are today? Africa and Asia. Because Europe proved not fruitful. For centuries it went along. France, the eldest daughter of the church, as it's known. The place where Christianity was there for centuries and produced saint after saint after saint. Today, the churches are empty. The, mausoleum, <laughs> the mausoleums are full. <laughs> but the churches? Not a soul. They're museums at this point where you can go see what, what the church used to look like in France. How beautiful it used to be. Wow. Look at it when it was in his glory. If only people actually came here to pray they actually were from France. Most of the people that go to church in, in many of these churches are not actually from there. They're from somewhere else in the world going to see what used to be there. They proved fruitless. And the Lord said, okay, you desire not to be fruitful? 
I'll work through someone else. It's why we see parishes in our world today that are closed. Because if a parish proves fruitless, if it doesn't produce priests, if it doesn't produce holy men and women of faith, if it doesn't reproduce disciples, it can't reproduce. And it just simply dies. And so the church says, okay, well, we're done. We'll go somewhere where it bears fruit. And he also does it in individuals. With myself, with all of us. The Lord comes and he desires something of me, desires something of you in particular. For me, it's to live my life as a priest, to serve here in the diocese. For you, it's to be in whatever state you are, married, single, widowed, to be able to work or not, according to whatever your state of life is today, to be able to do the things entrusted to you and to do them well. To allow ourselves to be filled by Christ and then to go forth and to produce fruits for the glory of God and for the good of others. And if we don't, God will pick somebody else. If over and over and over and again, the Lord comes to me and says, Brent, I want you to do this thing for me. And over and over and again, I go, nah, kind of busy right now. I got, maybe, maybe next week, Lord, but I, I got a thing for the next few days. I, you know, I, I would love to, Lord, really, I would. But I'm just not going to do what you desire of me right now. I'll give you, maybe I'll give you 10%. I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit of what you want, but I'll not give you actually what you really desire. Eventually, the Lord's going to tire of that. Because all of us know if we have one person that we say, I would like you to do this, and they say no, and another person that says, I'd like you to do this, and they say yeah, we're eventually just going to start defaulting to the person that says yeah. (laughs) The person that does our will. The person that is able to help us. And it's not that God needs us. It's not that God can't do things without us. But that God wants to work through us to be able to bring forth his salvation to all nations. And if we prevent ourselves from being fruitful by exerting, exerting our own will rather than seeking to do his, the result is simple. Is that Christ will say, cut it down. Just let it be. I'll go elsewhere. Don't worry. So this is the thing that ought to make us really pause and take a good look at ourselves. To take a look within our hearts. Again, not to be concerned about what happened elsewhere. Did you hear about the bad thing that happened there? Occasionally we hear good things, but mostly we hear bad things, right? Did you hear about that thing that happened to them? Rather but to look to our own hearts as Christ calls us and to say, what about me? call to repentance unless I repent I will be cut down unless I turn back to the Lord and and begin to bear fruit or bear more fruit I will be cut down not to be concerned about all the rest of the trees in the garden but to look to self and this is the great encouragement to us is that a tree can't just will itself to produce fruit. I mean, trees, stuff happens, I guess, sometimes. But the human person, we have free will given to us by God. Every one of us. 
It's the thing that differentiates us from every other thing that God has created with the exception of the angels. All of us have free will. The angels had one shot. They chose serve God or not. And when the division happened, you have angels and you have demons. One decision. But we, we can, we can turn to the Lord. And even if we said no a thousand times, we can still repent and say yes and begin again. And this is the good news. Is that Christ comes to us and he wants to nourish us. He wants to give us the fertilizer. He wants to make sure we have the proper water. He longs to give these things to us. They're free for the taking. He gives himself in great abundance. All we have to do is say yes. To say yes to doing his will and then do our best to follow him. Even if we follow him perfectly, the Lord will still walk with us. The Lord will still help us to grow, to continue to to proceed in the gift of faith. I'm pretty sure if the landowner the next year came back and he saw one fig on the tree, he would go, huh, one fig. All right. We're starting to get somewhere. One fig. It's all that God desires of us to start. Just a little something to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to turn to you. To turn from our sins and to come to receive the grace of God. And so we give thanks to the Lord today. That indeed he still comes to us. Just as he came to the people in the desert and the manna, he comes to us in this holy altar with the Eucharist. And he comes and he extends himself. The drink from the rock that is Christ. In his body and his blood, he comes to us. He stays with us to nourish us. May God grant that our hearts would be open to receive him today. And not just to receive him, but to allow him to change us. And receiving his word into our mind and receiving his flesh into our bodies, we might indeed bear much fruit.